0: hey guys welcome to the filipino american ministry podcast i'm your host henrik and this is my co-host Aaron. and today we're going to be talking about the struggles of filipino american millennials gen z the second generation Uh, and these are these are struggles that need more attention in our filipino american churches so i hope you are blessed by this Um, to start off i think um, i think something that Um, I would like the first generation to know about second gen. Um, And what I mean by that is what we wanted our parents to know uh, that we were going through um, was that we go through identity crisis, Uh, like our ethnic identity. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit in our previous episodes, but I think, um, I don't know if Aaron experienced this, but for, for me, what happened... And what I've seen also happen in other Asian American churches is that uh, the second generation, they feel that in their um, ethnic context, like in the Filipino American church, they don't feel at home that they are truly Filipino. So among their Filipino um, parents or titos, titas, they don't feel that they are Filipino. But then at the same time, when they go to their American schools, they don't feel sometimes that they are actually American. I think it depends on the the demographic. So if you're in a more diverse demographic, maybe you, it's easier for them to feel at home in a an American public school. But like for me, I went to school in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And when I was young, uh, I did feel like, I didn't feel like I fit in because most of my, uh, most of my classmates were white, so there was that identity crisis that I had. Um, is like, am I Filipino or am I American? And I think it it only it it, only, it was only until I was in my later twenties that I finally came to this understanding that I'm Filipino American. Um, so I think that's something that's one thing that um, would be good for Filipino American churches to address there's this ministry called epic and um in one of the conferences that aaron and i went to they talked about that that tension between that identity struggle that tension and i think it was really helpful because um i think that was my first opening to the understanding that my ethnic identity is asian-american So they were able to talk about um, the Asian American struggle, the things that Asian Americans go through. And I think that was my first time um, starting to identify as Asian American, even though it's pretty obvious that I'm Asian American. Um, But I think that was like a good conference that we went to. So I think that's something that, Maybe the Filipino, our Filipino American churches. It would be great for them to to understand that and be able to speak to to that.
1: All right, So, uh, uh, just kind of trying to understand where you're comf- coming from here. Why was this so helpful for you? I mean, didn't you not know that you were Filipino American growing up?
0: I knew I was Filipino American, but I didn't know that Filipino American or Asian American was a thing. Like, I didn't know that that was a, that was a ethnic identity that I could identify with. So it was always like, am I Filipino or am I American?
1: Oh, is it like, uh, you didn't know that that was a separate category? You yeah, always yeah, had yeah. To like, yeah. it's either you were um, choose like a Filipino category or like American?
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that that was a category that had its own struggles and its own identity. Because for me, it was always like, it's like I'm a mixture of Filipino and a mixture of American. But there's actually a category called Filipino-American that I wasn't aware of, or in a category called Asian-American that I wasn't aware of. And when people started talking about Asian-American struggles, then I was like, oh, that sounds like what I go through. Does that make sense?
1: yeah uh so is it helpful only in the sense that there is a way to categorize what you were going through or was it more helpful in the sense that you knew other people were going through the same thing
0: Uh, i think i think the answer is both so (laughs) you said what was the first one you said
1: like the first one was that uh there's there's finally like a category that I guess encapsulates what you're going through.
0: Yeah, I think,
1: or like your experience.
0: Yeah. Because I think like when you're, when I was growing up, I only heard about Filipinos and then I heard about Americans. I didn't hear that category.
1: I see. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out like how this was so helpful because I couldn't, I can't like right now, I can't wrap my mind around like young Henrik, uh, how this I guess idea or thought came to be so helpful for you as a Filipino American, like a as a second generation.
0: Yeah, so I I guess I give an example. Like at the at the Asian or the Epic Conference, this this isn't ethnic or not ethnic, but this is a a ministry that's for Asian Americans. Yeah. And that was my first time going to a conference where they were trying to address Asian American struggles. Like one of them was, and I, I I don't necessarily relate to this, but one of them was, uh, the Asian Americans, they struggle with feeling like their parents, they've never, their parents have never told them that they love them. Um, and then that, that was something that Asian Americans, um, like, at, that's something they talked about at the conference. And then um, it was like, I guess for me, like whenever I go to a conference, it has always been like an American conference. So they don't talk about that problem with of Asian Americans. And I th- also, they also talked about the identity struggle, being Asian and then being American. I think at that time, I didn't even know that I had that struggle until I was at that conference. Um, and then when they when the con- and when I was at the conference they were talking about the struggle between identifying as Asian versus identifying as American, then i was it, it kind of like con- it made it more concrete that that's something that I was actually going through, but I didn't know that I was going through it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I guess uh in order to solve something, you got to know what's going on, so like, how would this help? new filipino americans growing up at church
0: yeah because i think like my youth the youth in my the youth ministry they i think they don't know that they can have this feeling of not feeling at home with filipinos and not have feeling at home with americans to some extent to some extent i mean of course like (laughs) if you're with your titas titos you do feel at home but there's also an extent where they they make you feel sometimes that you don't necessarily understand their culture so i think when you ask my youth kids if they go through the identity struggle they they would say no sometimes when i was exposed to um, ethnic asian american ministry topics like this then i was it opened my eyes that i was going through this struggle
1: i mean i do think that um having a place to belong is Even just that feeling of belonging is very important. I don't know if you've heard that term, like third culture. It kind of expresses what we're talking about here. Have you heard that?
0: I've heard it from you, but maybe for our viewers or listeners, um, could you explain that?
1: Um, It was a term used a lot by um, missionary kids or for missionary kids. So missionaries would go to a different country, bring their kids with them. They're still young. So let's say like an American family goes to Indonesia. Their kids grow, basically grow up in Indonesia. Uh, maybe they're white, right? So they're white on the outside, but on the inside. And culturally, they're Indonesian. Mm. But then they still come back to America once in a while. So they're Indonesian culture, but they're not fully accepted there because they look different. They come to America, they look maybe white but like they can't really relate as much to the culture because they're not really, they didn't really grow up here. So like, uh, okay. that kind of, uh, that's why it's called like third culture because there is that um, absence of, well, a part of the, of being third culture is that absence of like of a home. Like you don't know where home is.
0: Yeah. 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 You
1: no, know, And I think uh, maybe that's what you're referring to is, as a Filipino American and you don't fit in a Filipino, purely Filipino context. I mean, you can, I think that's the good thing about Filipinos is we generally are able to fit well and adapt well, but still like that feeling of complete belonging, I guess,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like you don't really fit well in a Filipino first generation context, and you don't really fit so well in even just an American context. Yeah, I think um, it's just uh, important to recognize that second generation is a different culture Oh uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think if you start there, um, that would definitely help. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe because like, Even with Filipino parents, you know, there's this thing about, you know, you know, you're proud of where you came from and you want to make sure you teach your children about your culture and you want your kids to know your culture. Uh, But I think that's the, the problem with that is, you know, your kids obviously are growing up here in the U.S., a different culture, and in reality, at least from what I've seen in most um, Filipino American churches, is their kids don't even speak the the heart language, and yeah. so you know, you don't if you don't understand the language, it's going to be hard to understand the culture. Mm-hmm. And so there's this desire within first generation Filipinos to have their kids understand their culture, um, even be proud of their culture. And I think a lot of Filipino second gens are,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's just not to the level as first gen, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, it's good to at least recognize that um, you know these kids, sure they look Filipino, they have brown skin, but they're not first gen, right? Like they don't have the same kind of uh, cultural ar- understanding. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we can teach it to them, but like, um, I guess like uh, the shared norms, uh, the shared cultural expectations mm-hmm. is not always there. So, for example, in a first gen, in, you know, within first generations, you have these norms, these shared expectations of how you should behave um, when you're with other Filipinos. Like for example, there's an older person there; you give way to the older person, mm-hmm. right? Even, well, even when it comes to authority or to like to speaking or who gets to talk or who gets to pray or you know those kind of things. Like even though they're very subtle, sometimes mm-hmm. um, can't really expect that all the time. When it comes to like second gen, I mean, there's other issues too, not just that. I mean, you can teach that, but it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, I guess, uh, the way that I would think about it is like first generation maybe is built off of like, uh, Windows, Windows? system. And then like oh, okay, okay. second gen is built <laughs> off of OS, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. some commonalities, but in their core, they're different. Yeah. It's a different OS. <laughs> yeah, it's a different like operating system, right? Right. So you know, there's things that overlap, right? They both can run a computer or something. I'm just trying to run off this analogy, yeah. but at its core, they're like different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of important to recognize.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, definitely more awareness of the cultural differences is always good. Something I, I, I was going to add is um, so something that I pushed for when I was uh, leading the youth ministry was like having fellowship with other churches. So I, we mentioned this in a different episode, but I think um, having that fellowship with them, when you see other people from other churches going through similar identity struggles with you or similar cultural or generational um struggles that you're going through it's helpful. So that's something that if you're in a Filipino American church and you only have five youth who are um Filipino American like second gen, millennial, gen z or even below even after that something you can do is reach out to the other Filipino American churches and try to fellowship with them and have your kids fellowship with their kids. So that's something that uh, I think that Filipino American churches can also do, and that's something that I enjoyed as a youth, um, seeing other Filipino Americans worshiping God. Like when I, we had a, a retreat um, back when I was um, like eleven to fourteen. Yeah, that was really that was like I think that was like that was really helpful for me as a Filipino American, just seeing other Filipino Filipino Americans who are my age who are worshiping God with such passion and i think that like that made an impression on me that like christianity is not just for the filipinos but it's also for like filipino americans too and just seeing them worshiping god uh made me under made me have that understanding that god is also a god of filipino americans so uh, that's what i would say for like that identity um is something that uh Filipino-American Filipino churches can do. Um, and you, you kind of highlighted this. Um, another thing that um, is needed or for the second generation, uh, another need for millennials and Gen Z is I think they need to understand more the first generation, their thought process. Uh, like yeah. they need more awareness of that pro- thought process.
1: Like I think that my analogy would go both ways, right? Like if you know you're an OS if you just or your Mac. they're not they're not like an they're not like an OS for example like <laughs> a different operating system yeah so you can't just like you can't just use your apps on their system yeah yeah it just doesn't work like that I think you know? yeah
0: that's a good analogy
1: you have to kind of uh, change how you deal with uh, with them it's like it's a different culture the way I look at it, it's kind of like I mean it probably is not to that extent, but like you're going to a different culture. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, let's say let's just say you go to like the Middle East or something, like a different country. You can't just bring your culture and expect that people would respond in the same way. Like you can't bring your operating system and then and then you know engage in your own operating system.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good um that's a good analogy for the second gens who are listening. But yeah, I think um the fir- the second generation and millennials gen z they need to understand how their parents think. Um otherwise I think this causes arguments and misunderstandings.
1: I think a lot of these could a lot of the potential problems could be n- minimized if there's just more conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned
1: that between two different um generations.
0: Yeah, I think like, more conversations to get more understanding of the different generations, yeah. Um, I think as an example, like we're growing up in American culture and we see our friends dating, for example. But then our parents say things like, you cannot date until you're out of college. So the youth that I talk with, um, they're always confused about the dating rules of the first gen. So that having that dialogue, like you said, like if they were able to talk about it, they would, instead of just laying down the principle, like instead of laying down the rules, they just also talk about like you know, the principles behind them. So in a Filipino American church context or in a ministry context, um, having the youth, the next the second generation understand the thought processes of the first gen would uh, be very helpful
1: i guess the next question would be like how does this understanding come Uh, we did talk about it a little bit which is through more conversations
0: yeah and also what i do with my youth uh, is i try to tell them what i've learned like oh one like i mentioned this before but like language like, one of my youth kids, he was offended by the language of one of the adults, and what I told him was, um, okay, you need well, to... What was the language? Uh, the, I told you, I said in the previous episode that one of the adults used the word um, overseeing. Oh, and okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's the... Yeah, for listeners who didn't listen to the episode, um, an adult was saying, oh, I'm, I'm plating this person to oversee you, and then... Um, yeah. And then what the youth interpreted was like, oversee means like, um, he was incompetent. Yeah. He was incompetent and he needed someone to watch over him, like look behind his shoulder and watch him do everything that he's doing. So it, it carries with it a um, miss, like not, there's no trust, um, no trust and, and they, they don't trust you. They think you're incompetent. Um, So what I did was I told my youth kid, um, like, you need to understand that um, the adults, like, English is not their first language. So sometimes the way that they talk to you, it might be offensive, but you need to remember they don't carry the same connotation. Uh, They don't have the same connotation when they use a word that you have. So yeah, and probably in their minds, it's
1: not a bad thing to have someone to oversee right? It's not because you're incompetent.
0: Yeah. I, th- but when I, they I sp- w-
1: just want someone to guide you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when I spoke with the adult, he said, uh, he doesn't, he meant it for support. Like that was the connotation. Like the overseeing means like someone to support you, like if you need anything. So that's what, uh, I told him that. And, um, later on he has told me that, like that understanding that, uh, if someone has is English is second is not their first language, then you should give them more grace when they use words that are offensive. Um, because you, maybe he he didn't mean for it to be offensive. He's just trying to translate what he thinks into English, and he doesn't know the cultural uh, connotation behind certain words. Okay, so that's uh, summarizing that. That's um, understanding how first generation thinks. Um, yeah, I've I've definitely um, talked to my youth a lot. Like this is how the adults think, and these are things that I learned, and I think it's been helpful for them um, in terms of how to relate with the adults.
1: That kind of also translate in translates into like the way you do ministries is different uh, when yeah. you know they're different.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: So in a yeah. way, it's helpful because it makes you think of other think of other ways to the ministry.
0: Mm, Yeah. Like
1: one of my uh, pastor friends would say, I'm so good at like first generation, but when it comes to second gen, I just don't know. Like I am not effective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And actually I kind of like uh, talked about this with the church, with our church and, um, a lot of the adults, um, they go to me sometimes to understand the second gen. So like, just having that awareness that the, like, Filipino American kids are different. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not that hard to, to know, but they, they go to me to, to understand, like, how the youth think. Um, next thing I want to talk about is, like, for Filipino American millennials and Gen Z, uh, what are some common struggles that they go through that I think that Filipino American churches should know. Mental health is like a big thing for Gen Z. Like if there were sermons about mental health and like learning how to say no to certain things, um, dealing with depression, dealing with suicidal thoughts, um, those are some topics that would be nice to hear about in church, like in your Filipino American church, I think in, when I go to Filipino American churches, I always hear like the common Christian topics, but there's not much talk about mental health. And that's some, like being an emotionally healthy spiritual, uh, Christian is something that is very useful that I think Filipino churches should, um, incorporate in their churches.
1: So you're saying that, um, uh gen z's and millennials have a higher risk or have more mental i like that is a more prevalent problem in these generations
0: yeah and also like um with adults um they don't sometimes their kids say that they're sad or they're dealing with depression but then the adults kind of rub it off because i don't know like how i mean i don't i don't know how the adults are thinking but in my experience, I've seen adults say, Oh, you're not sad. You're, you don't need counseling. Um, you, you're okay. Uh, like they don't see that that's a big issue for the second gen. But a lot of times, a uh, second gen, they actually need counselors to process the things that they're going through. Um, and that's something that I was going to talk about later on in the episode. Just having that idea that counseling is an option is helpful is, wait, so do you see this a lot in your youth group? yeah so like uh, see what a lot like the mental health issues or yeah, yeah I mean I mean in, in my church I, I think some of the adults are really good like they do have counselors they do actually have their kids go to counselors when they need it so that's really good on them for the adults who do that um, but I've heard some stories where the, um, sec- the first generation Filipinos, they don't take it as a serious thing when a youth ex- opens up about their emotional, like emotional struggles, like they're being sad, they're depressed or suicidal, not eating because of weight issues. Like another thing too is like, <laughs> speaking of weight, like uh, adults, they always say, Oh, you got fat when like as a greeting right <laughs> but actually with like with the that's second offensive to the Americans yeah to America. that's offensive to american <laughs> kids like they go always go to a filipino party and the tita says oh you got fatter or like <laughs> or you're so fat now but that's something that they go th- like they they actually refrain from eating they have eating disorders because of those kinds of comments and i think that's something that filipino american first gen should um, be aware of and (laughs) hey what's up you got fat (laughs) (laughs) that happened to you right when you visited when you visited us I don't remember I remember goes goes in one ear and out the other Uh, maybe you're used to it but one of the I remember one of the (laughs) Tito said oh you're fatter now you got fatter yeah so I think yeah that mental health Mental health issues. That's kind
1: of interesting, you know,
0: because like,
1: I I mean, there's times when I I hear my parents joke about this, like uh, with their friends, like you got fat, and they say, uh, "Oh yeah, progress." <laughs> Poof, like I'm having more progress in life. That's why I got like fatter or something like that. Uh, different mentality, different. System. So
0: so the first generation doesn't get offended when. They say that no. to each other, you know? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just going back to the initial topic about like mental health. Um, there's a book called "Emotionally Healthy Spirituality" by Pete Scazzaro. and that was really. Um, and I've I've seen other um, Asian American churches. They have that book. Um, that that author he created a curriculum. About emotionally, being an emotionally healthy Christian. And I think that's something that it would be nice for a Filipino American churches to be talking about. I mean, being emotionally healthy and having a high emotional IQ, um, is something that would be good for the millennials and Gen Z. So that's something that they struggle with, like emotional mental health.
1: That's really interesting, you know, because, um, in the Philippines, you know, Sad things happen, like typhoons and everything. you know how like Filipinos are known to like smile through adversity and the mm. biggest typhoon comes and they're still smiling and they're they're okay or something like that. Uh, I wonder if that's where the first generation is coming from. They're like they're gonna just go through it and they're gonna be okay, oh okay, you know. Um, I don't know, but maybe there's other, a lot of underlying issues that, uh, that happens. Mm. I think the good thing about like Filipino, first gen Filipinos is they really know how to have, uh, like, I guess that barcada system, Mm. you know, like that deep friendship.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it could be a generational thing. Like, uh, I think maybe millennials and Gen Z, they, because they are living in an information age and social media, so maybe they have they grew up with social media, so. Yeah. Uh, this is not a p- issue that's specific to Filipino Americans, uh, millennials, but it's a sp- it's an issue with for all millennials and all Gen Z is that feeling, um, even in the social media generation, they deal with loneliness. And mental you think, oh,
1: you're saying that social media is exacerbating or just making it
0: worse? I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that social. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe that's what I'm saying. But like, for example, there's a Facebook group called Subtle Asian Mental Health, and um, it, it just shows like when I read the comments on there and like the posts, like people are posting every day about their um, their mental health issues and like things that they're going through and it um i think that's like a, that's a big need for um millennials and gen z just mental health and i've seen it with my youth like some of, like mental health is something that they really care about and um yeah. okay so
1: what does uh, like a um, mentally healthy church look like
0: a mentally healthy church. Well, I think mm, that's a good that's a good question, and I think would uh, be good to reference Pete Scazzaro. But one thing for, for one thing, for example, is learning how to say no is something that I learned. Um, like I think uh, in some churches they they have this desire for people to serve so much, mm-hmm. especially in small churches, and like um, I guess the. Helping youth to. I think, like, for me growing up, it was hard for me to learn to say no. Like, when an adult comes up to me and says that they need me to do this, or like, they. And a lot of times it's like, I'm the only one who could do it sometimes. Like, they would ask me to do something, and then I'm the only one who could actually do it. And I'm the best person to do it. So I feel that pressure of, like, if I don't do it, then who's going to do it? So I think learning to say no when you're really busy or that's something that um, would be healthy. Like if we could cultivate an environment or culture in our churches that it's okay to say no when um, yeah, it's okay to say no when you don't want to do something. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a start for a, for an emotionally healthy church.
1: I do notice that in small Filipino American churches, a lot of the like staff or worship team are just, the kids
0: oh yeah
1: you know like every week
0: um uh, are the young people yeah I've, I've definitely seen that um i remember my my friend he's chinese he was like the worship leader of his church I mean,
1: even in our church growing up it's like a lot of it is
0: young people but yeah do you think that's not a healthy thing like emotionally healthy no no, no I'm, I'm not saying it's unhealthy Oh, you're just noticing that. I'm just the, saying
1: that, like, usually they're,
0: like, quite involved in in that. Maybe oh, in, it. W- in worship. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that is easy for the youth to pick up, like, um, playing guitar and leading worship. Um, I guess
1: what I'm saying is, like, if the kids don't know how to say no, then they would have burnout. I mean, I have I've experienced burnout,
0: too, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think burnout is something. Um, that's something that which could be discussed more in Filipino churches too. Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm trying to understand this mental health issue. What does that look like in the second gen? Like, if I was a tito and you're trying to make me understand this issue, mm-hmm. like, what would you say to to make me understand this issue? Yeah. Okay. Where if I don't you... just I where I don't just go say well you'll be okay. It's just a season.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's that's hard. I mean, I'm just imagining, I'm imagining talking to Tito and trying to convince him that this is an issue.
1: Um, Because I know I could definitely see it, right? That it could be a problem because, again, they're working through a different system and they see this and they're like, you know, I've been there. I've been sad too, but
0: I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. So how would you explain that to the uh, yeah, like, who, Especially, they've probably gone through more adversity, right? That's or they right. Want. Like, how would you uh,
1: show me the importance of this,
0: mm. I guess? I think uh, it's easier for me to go to adults who are more open to this idea first. There are some adults in my church who are more listening and more trying to be understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would go to them first to help them understand this. And then when the first, when I find first generation adults who understand the mental health thing, then they can explain it to that kind of person.
1: But right off the but I do want you to explain to me because I want to understand it more.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: it's like with our youth group, right? I mean, I know we went through some like drama and stuff like that, but. And I know people who've gone to our youth group that had mental health
0: issues that were really bad. Yeah, I think mental health, it's like, I think to help you understand, like if you were a Tito who was trying to understand, um, I would say like mental health is not, has nothing to do with the the material aspect. Like you can have, you can be rich, um, you can have everything you want materially. But then, like, there are physical, are there emotional needs that you need, like being affirmed or encouraged? Um, having community, having, um, friends. That's an emotional need. And, um, mental health issues for millennials and Gen Z looks like they're going through peer pressure or they're going through, um, rejection from their friend group or they feel like an outcast in their friend, friend group. Um, so they don't feel, so even though they're like, their physical needs are met, uh, they, they have food, they have, um, electronics, they have laptops, internet, but they don't have, um, close friendships. Or even if they do have close friendships, those, they deal with, uh, like a lot of pressure to keep those friendships. Yeah. Being, knowing how to navigate those kinds of issues, like those emotional issues, uh, would be helpful for, their mental health otherwise they'll go through depression and when they go through depression um it leads to them feeling like they're not worthy of friendships they feel like they don't they're not worthy of uh, being loved by others and they go through shame so does that does that help or are you more confused yeah but i've gone through those too
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's annoying (laughs) (laughs) but maybe you hit a a point there i'm not sure if uh, this is a um, case by case thing or general generational thing but you mentioned about like maybe the lack of deep friendships is that something that you see in younger kids
0: i think they have deep friendships but they don't I think they either scared to lose their deep friends, uh, their deep friendships, or they feel that something they've done has been too disgusting and gross that they couldn't open up to their deep friends, to their deep friendships about it.
1: There's no um, difference as the friends
0: if, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think to, I think maybe, um, I don't know, like maybe this is controversial to say, but like, uh, if the Tito who says, like, um, well, I went through that too, but I'm okay. Well, I think what I would say is, I guess from the second generation perspective is you went through it, but you didn't deal with it emotionally, um, in an emotionally healthy way. Like, there's still some deep seated, like maybe you just became numb to it and then you didn't fully, pro- like, you didn't really process it in a healthy way is how, like, <laughs> It's the Tito who would
1: sing karaoke, and then when he's drunk, and starts crying and just singing out loud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's something. Yeah, that, I, I guess I would say maybe the Tito didn't deal. He didn't deal with it in a healthy way yet, and he that's why he doesn't see the need for mental health. Um, yeah, you because know, he hasn't dealt with it, or he hasn't had a counselor to talk about those issues with. So he doesn't. He doesn't see the the benefit of having a counselor yeah. so is what I would say. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of offensive to say maybe, um, <laughs> no, maybe I I'm wrong, but you know. uh, that's how like a second gen would think like, um, yeah, you say that you went through it, but you did, you process it well is what I would, is that what I would say?
1: Well, I think in general, what we're trying to say here is it would be better for our kids to, be emotionally healthy. Mm. Right. And if we've gone through some hard stuff, then
0: let's teach our kids how to process those things. Yeah.
1: You know, in a healthy way.
0: And it's and, not just like in a healthy way, but in a biblical in a biblical yeah. way too. Like um how to deal with rejection from like how does the gospel speak to rejection? That's always yeah, a good thing to discuss. That's something that I always um emphasize when I when I teach yeah. um
1: youth. <coughs> and it's not a bad thing to be pastoral and to ask like how are how are you doing? You know, um how's life? Even those little conversations can go a long way. Mm. You know, You um, mean with the adults versus to, to youth? Yeah. When I now is a uh, in college, I think, right? When I started meeting with my mentor, all we did was I would go to his house we'd sit down, you know, face to face. And he's like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, just, and we just start talking. It's more of like a life on life kind of conversation. That was really helpful for me. At that time, it helps me process uh things that I'm going through and what I'm thinking about. I, I think in general it's just really helpful to have these moments of pastoral care of just like, hey, how are you doing? Those kind of things.
0: Yeah. I think some something I would want to talk about in the future is like how do you because I've I've seen instances where the adults would say they ask these they ask these questions, but it's only surface level, like the the youth. Um would answer the questions like, oh yeah, I'm doing good. And then the adult would say, oh, how's school? And then the youth would say. Uh, yeah,
1: usually it's like school and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And then the youth would say, oh, school's good. And then, um, well, it doesn't go, it doesn't progress any further. So how do you break that to well, make it more you deep?
1: know, I actually remember we would have this, uh, these lock-ins of my house. Yeah. And it's always interesting because that's where some of the deep, conversations tend to happen
0: yeah yeah uh but that would be between our generation though, though that wouldn't right. really involve the first gen
1: yeah but still it's a place where the second gen do get to open up
0: mm. yeah that's yeah
1: yeah interesting i today actually i'm i'm calling a friend of mine later and asking him about mentorship just something that he's been doing for a while so i've been trying to because uh we're trying to do some mentorship with some people at our church and we're trying to figure out, um, what mentorship would look like. At least for me, for it to be effective is, you know, you sit down, have, you have uh, a meal together and you ask beyond the surface, like what you were mentioning. Oh, no, meals, meals, not just meals, but like the conversation you ask beyond just the surface questions of how school
0: uh, okay okay
1: you no know, but like um my thinking was uh, well my thinking is that like we would get together because they're younger than us and um um you know start off with just asking how they're doing and truly listening to them mm. you know uh i think most of it is is that like just listening Uh, to what they're saying and if
0: there's something that I can share then I would yeah okay so I think um, I think it's uh, we've been talking for almost an hour so we still have more to talk about but I think we'll put it off to another episode so this is part one about um, what are the common struggles needs of Filipino American Millennials Gen Z and the second gen. Uh, we hope you like what we talked about today. Um, be sure to like our podcast, uh, subscribe. And if you have any feedback or anything that you were offended by or you didn't agree <laughs> with or something to add, it would be great for you to chime in in the discussion. And we're pretty open minded. So we're still learning this ourselves. We're not, we don't claim to be the experts, but, um, it would be great to hear from our audience. Thank you, peace.